Welcome to our first reroll gaming project that isn't D&D. Uh, we are going to be playing Delta Green tonight. Um, a cosmic horror modern day setting. A game I am moderately familiar with. Uh, actually, probably my favorite tabletop RPG, if for no other reason other than the content. Um, and I, I love horror, uh, horror games, horror stories, everything. So that brings me to my question to open us up. What is your favorite scary or horror experience, whether it be a movie, a book, a, a video game? I, I really like Boneworks in VR, which a lot of people wouldn't consider a horror game, but your first playthrough of it, if you don't know what the hell you're getting into, it's definitely a horror experience. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's kind yeah, of a lot do. to explain. It's a bone works. <laughs> yeah, we watched him play on Twitch. Yeah, oh, I was nice. just getting to the scary stuff when you guys, like, yeah, when it was, I, it when was I weird. Off. Yeah, there's like zombies with glowing heads and blood and huh. stuff that you don't know are going to be there <laughs> until they're there. And you're like, oh, this is this is a thing. And then it just gets worse from there. Okay. Wes, what about you? Oh, the Alien series. Ridley Scott. Awesome series. Yep. Uh, I, I know it's... I don't know if it would say horror, but I'm not a big horror fan. Uh, I would call that horror for sure, especially yeah, the first two. Thriller. I would say thriller more than horror. Does that make sense? I mean, yes, but a alien bursts out of a guy's chest in the first act of the first movie. True, true. I'm just saying. I, I, I liked it, and I classify it as horror, and I, I think that would be my most favorite like horror genre to be a part of. Also, the director's one. cut is especially scary because Ridley Scott like talks. <laughs> Terrifying. Latara, what about yourself? Uh, I don't do lots of horror stuff. Um... But I do like Cthulhu things. I had a lot of fun with Secret World. Cthulhu's fun. What is Secret World? It was an MMO that is like there's secret organizations and there were like mythological things that came to life and Cthulhu stuff and things in it too. Lovecraftian horror in it. Okay, very cool. Ayla, what about yourself? I think that I've covered this in reroll, but I'll say it again. It will be the, I think it's 1982. I just looked it up. 1982, The Thing. That was like the first movie that actually scared me. So I had, I don't know why, but like, that was like probably when I watched it for the first time for my dad when I was about like 12 or 13. And it legitimately scared me when other movies didn't really, because I do love horror. And so that's why I love it so much. And because also because the uh, the effects, I, that's something I'd want to do as a job. Um, oh, that's cool. So that's I just think that's so awesome that that is all man made like monsters. I think that's awesome. So that movie was amazing. Well, tonight we are hopefully going to tap into those feelings of spooky stuff and horror as we start what is likely to be a multi season Delta Green campaign. And we open up on a scene 
A long highway stretches into the crimson sunset of this beautiful summer night. Farmlands all around separated by stretches of unclaimed fields and flatland framed by rolling hills in the distance. Montana, 1999. Special Operator Daniel Durgan races down a long stretch of highway with his wife, Ella Durgan, and his son, Benny Durgan. The asphalt rides beneath your car as you speed down I-90 with the radio buzzing through. This is KOZB Classic Rock State. All you truckers out there singing on the open road. Y'all better just be happy it works. A sun-faded sign reflecting the dimming twilight reads, Big Timber, 10 miles. Some time passes, and the sun has fallen quickly. You find the drive to be hypnotic. A soothing Willie Nelson tune hymns to the sound of a hot summer night. Your headlights flicker with bugs the split second before they meet their abrupt end on your dirty windshield. This drive is familiar to you, Dan. You could practically do it in your sleep. Only about 12 hours until Fort Lewis. Over halfway there. Remember all you truckers and nomadic cowboys there. Watch for the white line fever. Stay Your radio lets out this high-pitched frequency that pierces your ears. What do you do? Well, uh, I suppose the radio's broken. I'm going to turn it down a little bit. Just before your fingers make contact with your car stereo, a distorted voice clear as day whispers, Zzz, Stop! Zzz. You look up to face down the open highway, and you see a man, naked as the day he was born, standing in the middle of the road, his feet planted perfectly parallel to the white lines on the side of the asphalt. What do you do? I suppose I'll, uh, I'll stop. I'll see if he needs a ride or anything like that. I got a perfectly good bed in my truck. What is your drive skill? Nothing. 20. Oh. Give me a drive check. I apologize. That is, uh, 2d6, right? No, uh, d100. Right, right. Thinking traveler. I am. Seven seven. <laughs> crit fail. That is uh -oh. a critical fail. That's too bad. You don't have nearly enough time to hit your brakes and offer this vagrant or wanderer any sort of comfort. In fact. You hear the loud metallic thud as the body hits the front of your car. You swerve hard to the right in a futile effort, skidding your tires and fishtailing back and forth. You are unable to regain your traction, thudding your car off the road and testing the limits of your suspension as one of your tires starts to thud heavily and rhythmically before you come to a complete stop. Hello, honey. Don't let the kids see this. Oh shit, he already did. And Benny Durgan and your wife, Ella Durgan, are 
plunged forward. Ella's face dripping blood from the brow. Stay in the truck. And uh, I'm going to hop out. You hop out. It's a bad idea. I know. Walk to the road, I assume? Yeah. Get a feel for if that guy in any way survived or what happened to my tire. A dead coyote lies in the road right where this man was standing. Its lower torso flattened and smeared from numerous tire tracks. The red asphalt simmers in the moonlight. Must have passed out, had a hallucination, or something. The radio continues to play that soothing Willie Nelson song. Going back towards your car, your tire has been bent inward into the wheel well. A likely expensive cost. You look down the highway and see exit 367, Big Timber, one mile. Honey, pack up the kid. Looks like we may have a little hike ahead of us. Ella Durgan throws open her car passenger door. What the hell, Dan? We're driving with our son here, and she opens the door, and out comes Benny, unscathed but shaken. Honey, what What did you see in the road there? What was I swerving to avoid? I didn't see anything. I saw you swerve to the right and lose control as you jetted awake. So I fell asleep? I assume so. I told you. Oh. I told you you needed more coffee. Don't you ever tell anybody that I fell asleep. Here we go again. And you guys start your long walk in the sunset. The gleaming twilight that's left over the mountains in the horizon of Big Timber. Hell yeah. We fast forward just a little bit following special operator Daniel Durgan him and his family have reached the outskirts of a parking lot of a familiar place to him the Hungry Coyote Diner it's a buzzing small town diner with a gravel parking lot triple the size of the small eatery several semi trucks rest here and a small circle of truckers chatting in between drags of their cigarettes look up and nod as their embers dance like fireflies in the night. You walk towards the building. A red neon sign buzzes and shines reading Open 24 Hours. An oasis to nomadic travelers, undoubtedly. Now remind me, because Dan would know, uh, what what is the uh, the waitress who will be working in the evenings? Helen Dorsey. In fact, judging from the popularity of this diner and how many times you've been by, you realize something. It's Sawsberry Steak Night, baby. <laughs> Honey, our prayers are answered. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. 
A bell rings as you open the glass door, and a woman in a blue apron, blonde and homely, gives you a warm smile. Of course, this is Helen Dorsey. Take a seat wherever you like, Dan. I could clean a booth for y'all, or grab y'all's stools at the counter. It's good to see you. Glad you brought the whole family with. And welcome. It's steak night. Yeah, I saw that. I'm glad to see you, Helen. She gives you a wink, balancing two plates of this delicious Salisbury steak. This diner is buzzing. Locals and passerbys alike flood the eatery. You see an obese man dressed in denim who hurches over his cup of coffee. His gaze is unsettling and you notice a partial neck tattoo. Past him sits a dark-haired woman with unevenly colored eyes. She shoots a quick analytical glance at you before returning to her meal in solitude. Farther back, a mulleted, muscular woman enjoys the company of her neatly dressed cowboy companion, and you lock eyes with a vagrant in the booth closest to you. Garbed in a tattered military jacket smoking a Marlboro, he nods slightly. I will nod back. We pan on over to the muscled, mulleted woman and her neatly dressed cowboy companion. Ronnie and Dr. Greenwood... What are you? What are y'all talking about? Well, Freddie, we had a rough one today. Got called in, and the kid had uh, been beat up pretty bad. Oh, what happened? Uh, just a motorcycle accident, but he was—he was pretty rough. We got him fixed up, though. Good. He'll probably be spending a few days in the hospital. Might <sighs> might be worth you looking at. Yeah, I'll head on over after we're done here. Can't miss the Salisbury steak, let me tell you. Yeah, this is the good stuff. It is. You think he'll last till then? Oh, he'll last. All right. Helen drops by and lays a plate of Salisbury steak in front of each of you. Thanks, Helen. Of course, great to see y'all. You as well. Uh, can I get a, a beer with that? Actually, for tonight, I need something stronger. Make it a whiskey ditch. Right, Make of course. Too. Of course. Uh, th thank you guys so much. And with you two being locals, this is common knowledge to you guys that Helen Dorsey actually lost her husband a couple years ago. She tends to work a double on Salisbury Steak Night here at the Hungry Coyote. And most of the town kind of floods here and shows support. Tips big, orders fancy. It's mm -hmm. somewhat of a tradition amongst the town. She says, coming right up for y'all. Thank you, honeys. Walks I'll away. take a look at it and say, best steak and big stick, let me tell you. I told you to never call me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh. She walks on over with a pot of coffee that she picks up from the counter off the burner and goes up to this lone diner and starts filling your cup. She says, everything turned all right for you, honey? Special Agent Maya Oakley. How's the meal? It's great, thank you. I'm glad you guys are here. I didn't know that something like this was here, but it's perfect timing. Honey, you'd be surprised what little treasures are tucked between cities bigger than this. Glad you could stop at Big Timber. Anything else I could get you? 
No, thank you. I'm fine. Well, let me know if anything changes. Thank you. Special Operator Durgan. How's the family settling in? I think they're doing all right. Benny stopped shaking finally. Until he started drinking my coffee. Then he started shaking again. Are you, are you serious, Dan? He's 13. You're going to let him just drink coffee? It's Honey, I, I wasn't looking. He's a little rascal. You know that. I... A little rascal needs special attention. Well, I broke on attention and didn't have it to pay. Helen Dorsey interrupts this conversation and says, Dan, great to see you. Uh, nice to see your family again. Uh, and she passes out some menus and she says, uh, what'll it be tonight? And she looks over at your young son, Benny, and she says, wow, you're quite your mother's kid, aren't you? And Paula's kid. Yeah. Spitting image, ain't he? Uh, I say with my blonde curls. Yeah, she looks at you and back at your son who doesn't look so blonde and says, sure. Thank you, honey. Now, I think you know what we're going to be having. Right, of course. Uh, Sawsberry steak night. No more coffee for the kid, though. I didn't give him any. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she continues bussing tables as you guys enjoy the next few moments in this tiny little diner. After Ronnie cuts off a piece and takes a bite, she cuts another piece and slips it under the table to her dog Aww. who laps it up. <laughs> And sure enough, Butch leaves your hand covered in drool from his overly enthusiastic... It's a he, right? Uh, she, actually. Okay. My borable dog. I think that's how you say it. No idea. And sure enough, Butch laps up the treat you give, him, give her, um, leaving this oozing trail of saliva on your hands. Maya would like to, being the kind of analytical person that she is, look for, like, you know, any newspapers or, like, if there's a TV on, like, if there's news playing or something like that that would give me more context to this town. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your... I don't even know what the skills are. I don't have a character sheet. What is your... Like do you search? search? Yeah, what's your search? I think it's just a twenty. It's also alertness if you're just looking around too. Yeah, what's they're the same. Both are twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you see there's this old TV in the corner. Seems to be struggling along as this little heavier man in a greasy stained apron is sort of slapping the sides of it and it's just sort of giving out this weird look and slowly trying to fade back in and starts to reiterate certain talking points of the local news and says, Tonight at 10 p.m., uh, Cairo 7's going to tune in to a new poll of Montanans saying that an overwhelming 68% think that Bill Clinton should resign in shadow of his 
impeachment trial that happened earlier this year. It's just sort of like kind of fades in and out. And again, this cook slaps the television and Helen just says, quit messing with it, Andrew. It's not going to get any better just from you hitting it. The greasy cook grunts as he hits the off button, steps down from the counter, puts a cigarette in his mouth and lights it, goes back to the kitchen. Um, with that not really providing anything new to me, could I look for like a local newspaper or something? Uh, yeah, there is that gentleman to your left with really grizzled look, kind of an overweight gentleman, trucker hat. He's reading a Big Timber Gazette. Does he look... Does it look like there's more than one? Or does he look like he's near the end of his meal? Or He's actually only drinking coffee. No Salisbury steak for him. Uh, but you would know coming into this dinner, there was a couple newspaper uh, drop-offs that you could have put in 25 cents and got a paper for. I'd probably take the time to just grab one. Okay. Walking outside the diner, you look out and you see a beautiful buzzing night, sound of insects everywhere. It's hot and humid, but quiet. Maybe something you're not entirely useful, used to, rather. The quiet serenity of a small town. You drop a quarter in this blue newspaper dispenser, take it out, and get out the Big Timber Gazette. I accidentally leave my wallet in there like in Dumber Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, let's play through you going in and going back out and you going in again. Like, <laughs> yeah. How many cool. steps do you take going in? <laughs> um, anyway, I'll, I'll get it and go back to my seat pop open the newspaper you thumb through it it's weird reading such a small town newspaper farmers markets community days high school football events local highway crash reports obituaries of elderly nothing too exciting being kind of from like a smaller town in Maine she's probably not this is like in a way of like a breath of fresh air because it's like comforting and back to kind of what I'm used to but at the same time it's kind of like humdrum like kind of what I'm what I'm used to but it's a good break from the road so this is a very like a very nice moment to just kind of settle in after driving and uh, flying and everything to get here Okay. Ding ding. The door slowly swings open. It's everybody's alertness. 20. 50. Uh, 60. 50. Great. So, pretty quickly you all look up. Dr. Greenwood, you look. Actually, Dr. Greenwood, you catch Helen's face before anything looking up. Mm -hmm. And you see 
a blank stare as she's looking at the entry, as she loosens her grip on this pot of decaf. Slipping out of her hand, it shatters to the floor. And the diner is suffocated by silence. From all of you included, as you hear the soft steps of bare feet on tile. Quiet in the absence of sound. But heavier than anything else you can hear. It steps through a pool of glass and coffee. And a man, naked as the day he was born, walks to the third bar stool and sits on a pleather cushion. His back scarred with rhythmic parallel lines that seem perfectly even. He rests his forearms on the counter. And he says very quietly, but you hear this, Dr. Greenwood. Anna, I need to speak with Anna. You all have a brief moment to react. What do you do? Just gut punch reaction. I'm going to walk over to the man. Yeah, I'm going to go check his feet. He just walked through glass. (laughs) Uh, Maya would probably say somebody call someone and like and maybe remove like a professional kind of looking jacket and just kind of lay it across his lap. Well, before probably... this is all one second. So you... okay, but then just the call thing. Yeah, me and Fred are probably approaching, and I'm trying to nicely be like, we can help. We're medical. As you guys stand up, some other illicit reactions from the bar. Or from the diner, rather. The overweight man behind you stands up abruptly, knocking his stool over, and Helen jumps. The man sitting in the barstool next to the naked man gets up and goes to the door. The vagrant, seemingly unaffected, draws his cigarette and continues to watch. As you guys get closer, announcing medical personnel... Uh, Special Agent Oakley, take your jacket off and go to give it to this man. But the gentleman in front of you, a man with a rattlesnake tattooed on his neck, stands up and he's, What's with this pervert? And both Dr. Greenwood and Ronnie, you know this man, abruptly, er, rather, adequately adopted the moniker of Rattlesnake, this is Gary Mayfield, a local drunkard and troublemaker in the town. Well, if I'll say, now calm down there, Mayfield, and quit your yammering. You sit down and enjoy your coffee, and we're going to take care of this right now. Helen rattled, shaking. Sir, I'm sorry, but you you need to leave. I, I can't have a naked, naked man in there. And she's on the other side of this man, but you quickly see the color drains from her skin and she gives this ghostly stare. Helen, why don't you go get a nice apron from the back? I'm going to give it to this man. I'm going to get him down to the clinic. I'm going to take a look at him. Starts to step I'm away. already like 
examining his feet and stuff, making sure he's not anything that needs patched up immediately. What's your medicine? Uh, my first aid first is aid. 70. Um, he's bleeding. Stepped on a couple glass shards. The strange part about it is there's no seeming reactions of pain or anything to this. Dan doesn't give a shit that you guys are checking him out. He's walking, he's putting a hand on his shoulder, spinning him around to face him, saying, what the fuck was that stunt you were trying to pull out there on the road? Throwing a fucking coyote at my truck? I immediately stand up and just kind of put my hand on his chest and say, hey, we need to deal with this first. If you've got some issue with him, you can take it out later. With a cut on his foot? This man almost just killed me and my family. I'm going to need a second to get an answer. Your conversation stops pretty quickly when you see a very strange feature to this man's face. A gemstone about two inches in height, one inch wide, is embedded deep into his forehead. Anybody who sees this, give me a sanity check. Oh god, how does sanity work again? You roll a d100 and try to get under your sanity score. Alright. I'm not sure if I've looked that close at his face yet. (laughs) Well, he... You don't have to look very close to see it. And Dan did swing him around. I did not succeed. Sanity check? Yep. And for this adventure, tell me what you rolled... Over or under, and then your score, so I know if it's yeah. a success or not. I rolled a 58, which I needed a 40. Okay. I uh, have a sanity of 65, rolled a 66. Oh, Jesus. No. That is a I got a sanity of 60. Yes, I rolled a, a 59. Oof. Oh. I have a 70, and I got a 31, so it's under. Before we continue on, do I recognize Dan? Uh, Give me a luck roll. Oh, wait. Just 50-50. 50-50. Got 34. <laughs> he seems familiar. You might have seen him in the service. All right. But I don't know his name, though. Now, anyway. all of those who failed... Take one point of sanity damage. Ronnie, you will take one point as well because you take the max sanity when you crit fail. Okay. So that was an okay one to crit fail on. (laughs) And this, whatever this gemstone is, it is embedded as if the skin has grown around it. With my hand still on uh, this gentleman's chest... I say, look at him. He obviously needs medical help. He's shaking and he very quickly throws his hands up. Don't touch me. I need I need to find Anna. And Rattlesnake stands up and he says... I've had it with this pervert. Get the fuck out of Big Timber, you pussy. And he starts stepping towards the nude man with a hate burning in his eyes. I'm going to aggressively point at Rallisame and say, You sit down right now. Do not 
cross this line. Otherwise, you will pay. And from where I am, I kind of look at him, too, and say, you know you don't want to mess with us. Last time you were in the clinic for about five days, do you remember? All right. Do we have a persuade check on here? I really need to pull up a... Uh, we have persuade. Yeah. What kind of check would you guys like to use in order to... I'm just more trying to back him up. Did... Was Dan going to say something, too? Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna physically block him and just say, like, in a quiet but serious tone, like, I got business with this man, and he ain't going nowhere until it's finished. I'm going to have you give me a strength times five roll. It's going to be an opposed roll to this man. Does he get, like, a plus 20% from us helping? Sure. Take plus twenty percent. Yeah, help and task. How do I roll something that isn't on my sheet? Well, wait, which one is rolling it? It'll be uh, Dan. Oh, Dan. my bad. Strength, yeah, attribute, strength. Oh god, I'm so bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs to be. Did you, or what is your score? Uh, my score is 13. So 65 is what you need to beat. Oh, yeah. yeah you, oh, you beat. God, that. my bad. Yeah, 17. <laughs> I, I'm so rusty at Delta Green. I'm so sorry. It's so no, you're fine. Rattlesnake swells up, and you just sort of meet his energy and, and square up with him, and he just says, If this naked man ain't out of here... And, Ten minutes, I'm going to have some real shit to pick with him. How about instead I just buy you a drink and you mind your own over there at that table? Drink will buy you 15 minutes. I kind of, seeing Helen a little shook up, just kind of reach behind the bar and grab a bottle of beer and hand it to him. Okay. I'll pay for it. Like, oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm still paying, but oh, I just figured you probably had a lot going on, so I'd just be like <laughs> helping in some kind okay. of way. Okay, if I see you beating me to it, I'll just give you a nod. Okay. What are you guys doing? I'm going back to patching up this guy's feet so that we can get him out of here. To oh, I guess he didn't want us to touch him, so I'm just gonna Ronnie, be like, do me a favor. Would you get yeah. one of the well, the ambulance is over here. we got to get this guy to the clinic. Sir, we need to get you into the clinic. Who are you trying to look for? I'll head out to my car and radio it in. I, I need Anna. She works here. Where? It's my wife. It's Anna. I need, I need her to get me. I'm not going to no clinic. I'm not fucking going nowhere. Uh, do I know an Anna? Um... There are a couple Annas in town. Does one work here? Nah, none that you know that work here. All right. Oh, sir, I need a last name if I'm going to try and find this Anna. It's, uh, it's, uh, McNeil. Anna McNeil, my wife. She always works here. She was, she was here last week. She's working. It's fine. This is, I don't, this doesn't, I just need... 
I, I, I just need her. I don't need you. And Do you I, know where you are, sir? I'm in, I'm in Big Timber. And at this point, Agent Oakley, you have thrown your um, jacket over him, and Helen comes out and sort of shakingly hands you an apron to tie around his waist. Okay. Well, something's, something's happened, and we need to help you out. You're not well. He looks you dead in the eye and almost a moment of disturbing clarity. He says, you can't help me. And Ronnie, out the door, heading to your truck to radio, Bush hot on your heels. You see a sheriff's car pull up. Two men exit, closing the door behind you. You know these two men to be Sheriff Dick McLean and his deputy, Deputy Donald Sharp. I kind of wave him over, and I'm like, uh, good timing, Sheriff. Uh, we got kind of an odd one in there. I uh, definitely need some medical help, but you might... He might need some mental help too. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, got a got a radio in from a couple truckers that were out here. Said a naked man. Um, why don't you come on with me, Ronnie? Uh, I got some questions for him. We're gonna take him down to the station. Yeah, I'll just let me just grab my first aid kit real quick to do a quick patch up. All right, don't take too long. And I'll finish getting to my truck to grab that. You have a few moments in the diner before the sheriff enters. Well, sir, all I want to do is I want to help you out here. I know you don't think we can help, but uh, you are a little beat up, and you seem to have some sort of contusion on your forehead there that I would really like to take a look at. Um, if you don't mind, I would very much so like to take a look at you medically. That'd be fine with you. Puts up a finger. Stiff. Says, do not touch me. And as his anger starts to rise, the television twists and distorts. The lights increase with their brightness and... I don't know the word for it. Power, vibrancy, something. This Montana accent's leaking into my just That's <laughs> it. just talking. Um, he says, "Don't touch me." He looks around. He says, "I need to get out of here," and he stands up. You can go ahead and you can leave. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop you, but. The sheriff's going to want to have a couple words, I'm sure. Now, if you play ball, we can try and work things out. Ding, ding. An overweight, middle-aged man dressed in a tan sheriff uniform walks in and adjusts the bill of his light brown cowboy hat. Behind him, a much younger deputy enters and scans the diner. He says, Sir, for heaven's sake 
you are under arrest for public indecency, and we were going to have a nice, long chit-chat at the station. Deputy Sharp, cuff this man. He's like, I'm not going to a station. I'm not going anywhere. Don't touch me. You have the right to remain uh, silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court. I want to I wanna step in while this is happening. Okay. To, also, I would, while, bef while before this even happened, I was wanting to roll a, like, human to just really read this person okay uh what's your human score it's good that's why i want to roll it's it. good well, what it <laughs> what is it because you might not need to roll if it's if it's well enough i could just... it's a 70 okay so this is somebody who is suffering from severe trauma shock shock probably. trauma clearly very paranoid their mental do you have psychotherapy Yes, it's. I think it's a 20. Let me look. It's a 20. Yeah, you'd need a little more to diagnose this man, but there's something But there's obvious unsettling. signs of yeah. something going on. At this point, I want to, like, come up, and they're really not going to like this probably, but I'm going to come up and, and say, like, whoa, like, he's obviously under distress. There's obvious signs of shock here, and I'm going to, while I'm doing this, I'm trying to flip the little FBI badge out and be showing my credentials like, while I'm explaining. And he's obviously, like, ha he's obviously in shock, and there's something going on here deeper than this. He needs help. Otherwise, he's not going to be able to help you with anything or be, this just, this isn't right. The deputy looks up at the sheriff. The sheriff shoots him a look, and with your human, it's, and really... Your social skills and your degrees in behavioral science, you can tell he's very unhappy. Um, can I add to it? Yeah. I understand that this is a small town and I'm not here to step on your jurisdiction or even what you think is right in this time. But there, I, I'm here and my whole career is based around helping people. And if I don't step in, I will never feel right about it. And I hope that you can respect that as well. Now, Agent, are you working on an active case right now? No, I'm actually here to teach, but I know the signs when I see them. I just want to be of help. Well, I'll be sure that any defense attorney reaches out for your expert witness but as of now this man has not crossed state lines and i highly doubt that this nude hobo is a part of some terrorism organization so if you don't mind i'm gonna take care of my jurisdiction and I, take him down I'm, to the station i'm gonna step on like, now dick you know that sometimes we need to get help from others it's it's a it's a fishy situation, but I agree with her. I think this is more of a mental issue than not, more medical than it is any type of crime. And you know that this could be something that needs to be checked out in a hospital rather than a p police precinct. And I'm going to gesture outwardly towards the two medical professionals that I've obviously seen trying to take care of this person, and just being like, we have is, the like have the help here, basically. Like, that's right. When I walk in and you're pointing at me. <laughs> pointing at you i'm gonna like, cut in here right in your face no i'm just kidding yeah i'm gonna cut in right here aggressively and i'm gonna, I'm gonna say now while i understand all that i got a police report needs made it involves this man and it needs made now 
the deputy so looked. I got a truck sitting outside of town in this fucking scrap heap. The deputy deputy looks up and he says, Dick, I, th I, th I think they have a point. Uh, we should probably listen to medical professionals. He, the sheriff, rather, spits a brown loogie on the floor of this diner. No class at all, I see. <laughs> I don't say that. No, I'm just kidding. He, he'd spit it into a water bottle. He, he was coming to Salisbury Steak Night. I was like, you live here. You're spitting in the diner floor. <laughs> it's rude. All right. Freddy, you take this fed friend of yours and you get this man into the medical center. And I don't want him to leave. I'm sticking the deputy with you. All right. Well, actually, deputy, you take this statement from this uh, young gentleman here. Clean up around here. I'm going with you. Uh, Ronnie, when you're done patching him up and when this statement's been taken, why don't you head on out to, to wherever this gentleman's uh, car is and see if you can't give it a tow? Sure thing. Uh, and I'm going to approach the guy and say, uh, what's, your, what's your name, sir? Frank. Frank, can can I just take a second to look at your feet? I don't want you bleeding out before we can get you to your Anna. Unless there's an injury that I see that needs more immediate attention, but that's the only one I imagine is, like, bleeding. Um, actually... What I am going to have from you is a bit of an interesting role, I think. Okay. What is your power Ooh, times five? <clears throat> 65. Okay. Give me a roll. Uh, cocked. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> I need new dice. <laughs> <laughs> As you're talking to him, looking him in the eye, trying to sort of humanize yourself to him, make, a, make that personal connection, something you've learned to do with injury victims, trauma victims, things like that. You find yourself sort of staring at that gem in his forehead. And it's like you're talking, but you're not even choosing your words. And all the sound around you just slowly morphs into this high-pitched frequency. Give me a sanity check. <laughs> These dice are doing better. 46. Nice. Is that a success? That's a success, yeah. Okay. Hey you almost find that subconsciously your right hand is raising with your index finger out and it gets to maybe about past your face and cutting through the frequency. Frank says, what are you doing? I kind of shake my head and look around, look down at Butch. Uh, I, I was going to check your feet. Right. Okay. No sudden movements, all right? I slowly move down and start cleaning out his feet and wrapping them up. None of the wounds are too deep. They're all mostly superficial. And even 
pouring a little bit of alcohol in some of these, maybe on a piece of gauze and, and wiping it through. No flinching, no reaction. No seeming response. Once I'm done, I'll stand up and kind of turn to Freddy and, and tell Frank, now my friend Freddy here is going to give you a nice ride down to look into this Anna for you. That's right. We're going to go to the medical clinic, and we're going to find Anna for you. We're going to bring you to her. Now, as you heard, the fine sheriff here is going to accompany us, and he has decided not to arrest you until we figure out what's going on and see what's actually happening. That's what I was trying to warn you about. So, let's just play ball here and saddle up and get on down to the medical center. All right. All right, but I'm, I'm not staying there long. Let's just find Anna. Let's take this one step at a time. All right. And you three leave the diner. Oh, I thought I was staying to do a tow. What? The sheriff asked me to go tow. Oh, the other guy's car. You have to wait for his statement to be taken by the deputy first. Yeah, so I'll just go hang out by them. Okay. Freddy's got that under control now. Do I know that, like, if I were to give my expert, ad like, not advice, but, like, opinion on the, like, psychology of what I, that his, he was exhibiting, like, would that be helpful in any way, or would that even be something that I could do um, as a witness or... I mean, that would have to be some sort of trial if it gets to that. Um, and you, you, your skills could definitely be put to the test, but the sheriff seems to be pretty... Yeah. Off-put. Yeah. I knew that was going to happen because like, it always happens in every, like show ever it's like if the FBI gets involved they're like you're stepping in in our jurisdiction <laughs> and they get all upset so I knew that was gonna happen I just I yeah anyway the deputy walks up to you special operator Durgan says all right uh first things first can I have your name name your family Uh, yeah, I'll be Dan Durgan. Dan Durgan? Got it. Yes, sir, and this here is, uh, Ella Durgan. Benny Durgan. Ella Durgan, Benny Durgan. This your son? Uh, obviously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what is the nature of this police report? Oh, uh, it's related to an accident that, uh, that their naked man caused about a mile out of town. Uh, do you have an approximate time? Uh, about a mile's walk. All right. Well, we'll just go ahead and jot down uh, 7.15. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, Mr. Durgan, in your point of view, why don't you go ahead and describe to me what you saw? Well, I was uh, I was headed down I-90 westbound, about a mile out of Big Timber, obviously. Nearest exit to this here diner. And uh, I... I reached in to adjust the radio because it was uh, squealing a bit. And then when I looked up, 
uh, this naked man was standing in the middle of the highway. He was, uh, he was right on the dotted white line. I, I swerved right to avoid him. But it seems he threw a fucking coyote at my truck or something. And I veered all the way off the road. I totally lost control. Pretty sure my truck is done for. Or at least it's going to be a hefty repair bill. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> threw a coyote at your truck? He must have. Because when I walked back up to the road to go find him. Westbound uh, about a mile? Side yes, sir. Uh, that was today. Did you see him with the coyote? I did not. I saw him in the middle of the road. Now, Mr. Durgan, I'm going to have to stop you there because I hit a coyote earlier today and killed him westbound of 90, and I never go and pick up that corpse. Well, it seems he done picked it up and threw it at my truck then. There wasn't much to pick up, Mr. Durgan. Well, you tell me what the hell happened then. Roll a sanity check. In thinking over, looking at the damage to your car, there was no damage to the hood. There was no blood on the grill. There's blood on the tires, maybe sure, but something doesn't seem right about it. Uh, that's a pass on that sanity check. But that's alright with you. Well, officer, couldn't tell you what the hell happened. Maybe I just, uh, lost control. Like I said, it all happened real fast. White line fever is a hell of a thing. That being said, you see a naked man on the highway, a naked man comes in here not an hour later. Something to be something to be said about that. And moments after I did. I walked from there to here. I'm getting the feeling he might have followed me. That's very interesting. Um Ronnie. Yeah. Why don't you take this man and go get his uh, vehicle? I assume your vehicle's uh, a bit out of commission. Out of commission, off the road. All right. Well, uh, we could arrange for you to stay at uh, the Motel 8 here in town. We could probably spot that for you. Uh, I know the owner personally. Margaret's a lovely woman. Uh, I'll see if I can't give her a ring. I'm going to take a couple statements if... Y'all want to go ahead and uh, go get your vehicle. Feel free to leave your family here. No need to subject them to uh, Butch's breath while riding in the car. <laughs> Aw, Butch has great breath. Well, and I rub Butch's head. <laughs> She's just... Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'll put my uh, hand on uh, Dan's shoulder and say... Uh, all right, let's go get your uh, outfit out of the burrow pit. <laughs> now, <laughs> special agent <laughs> outfit out of the burrow pit. <laughs> hey, no, it's a thing. <laughs> I knew exactly what she was saying. <laughs> special agent Oakley, what would you like to do with your time? Um, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like I wanted to be able to, you know, help and ass or assist in some way to make sure that this person gets the help that they need, which I think that I, and with the medical professionals, were able to do. But 
at the time, like just being shaken from this like weird circumstance, I guess, I'm not sure. Um, Cause everyone else is leaving, right? And doing whatever. Yeah. Probably you could go along with the guy. People, huh? Go along with the guy and Fred. I don't know if they, like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I know that they're like in good hands. Floating a couple ideas. You can listen to the statements of people around here. You can go back to your motel room. I'm sure you have a place for the night. Yeah. You can. Well, I was thinking being a, like a people person, I probably would, you know, just help maybe help uh, Helen just make sure she's okay before I leave. Okay. I don't know, make sure she was like white as a ghost and I just want to make sure that she's like in a state to keep working and or not work or to make sure that she's just in a place that she needs to be before I leave and go back to my room probably. I will also say uh, you don't of course have a cell phone around this time but you do have a pager and you also have um, access to the FBI you know criminal database so don't forget that. Yeah, I just don't know what I would do in this moment. It's probably pretty shocking for me, too. I don't know Definitely. what I'd want to do with it yet. Um, because I don't even, It's like, what do you even say? A naked man came into a diner and he had a jewel in his head? Like, it's kind of like that thing where it's like, how do you even say that? How do you want to lose your job? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So, yeah, it's just it's an interesting thing. My, so probably I'm raise some sleep questions. on it. And then see what happens and decide okay. later. But yeah, I want to check on Helen and then I probably will go back to my room. I probably would want to collect um, maybe one of or both of the medical professionals who seemed very strong and helpful, like their information. Sure. Maybe so I could just follow up for my own um, comfort. Well, and yeah. Well, for the time being, going up to Helen. Helen is taking a seat, she's shaking. How do you approach her? Um, probably come up like very like slowly and gently and just kind of sit down next to her and just say, hey, are you okay? I know that that's that was a lot. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I've seen a lot of people come through here. Rattlesnake, you know, hell, he's here almost every day, but... There's something about that crystal. Did you see it in his head? Yeah, I did. And honestly, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, what are you supposed to think about something like that? I, f I felt like... I felt like I was looking into... A window. A window. That somebody else was staring right back at me through. Like their pale eyes could see what I was thinking. All my hopes and all my fears. I don't. I don't feel... And then she vomits right on the floor of the diner. 
I'll probably jump up and like grab her a glass of water and like, or like hold her hair back and help her and then glab, grab, glab a glass of water. Grab a glass of water for her and just be like, oh my god, are you okay? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. It's shock. I think that a lot of people have, it's very fair to go through something like this and this is definitely a symptom you could it's not your fault at all. Like this has been a lot on everyone, and it's very hard on yourself and on your psyche. I think that you need to take the night off and go home, rest, be with someone you love who can keep an eye on you. At that point, you feel a gentle hand on your shoulder, and the deputy says, uh, "Pardon me, agent, but..." I need to take her, take her statement, and I'm afraid, I don't think the sheriff would like so much you talking to witnesses before I did. Sorry, it's nothing like that. I, I just wanted to make sure she was okay. I appreciate I, it. Uh, I'll, I'll take Helen's statement. I'll drive her home. I think Stylesbury Steak Night is done. And with that, well, hold on now. <laughs> And with that, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Rip, uh, rip Salisbury steak night. Oh, uh, those Salisbury steaks. Uh, Man. Never again. Never I didn't again. even get to finish mine. <laughs> she was so excited at the beginning, and it's all gone. It's. <laughs> what a wait fucking till next great week. Intro. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. very good. Everybody stop your I, I am Stop legitimately recording. creeped out right now. <laughs>